Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'm joined by Brad Canning. Our guest this week is a host on Knoxville's 99.1, The Sports Animal. He's Josh Ward. Josh, thanks for being back with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to be with you. All right, Jeremy Pruitt, obviously a guy our our fan base has a lot of interest in. Uh, He played at Alabama, coaching career started at Alabama. I think this has added an odd dynamic to the rivalry. Uh, has there been any reluctance from the Tennessee base to kind of fully embrace someone who's largely been considered an Alabama guy through his career? Not really. Uh, you might find some Tennessee fans that have been that way, but I think pretty quickly, even after his introductory press conference, I think fans got on board with Jeremy Pruitt. And the Alabama thing, I think, was probably a little surprising at first. But one thing that helped was that it was – former Tennessee player and former Tennessee coach, now athletic director, Philip Homer, who was hiring Jeremy Pruitt, who was bringing him to Knoxville. And at that point, when Jeremy Pruitt was being hired, Tennessee had just gone through a mess of a, uh, I guess, part-time coaching search and then an athletic director change. So fans, uh, most fans were fired up to have Philip Homer in place and kind of back in place at Tennessee. And, uh, and, were supportive of whatever he decided to do. And since then, I think fans have, you know, just they've gotten on board as most fans naturally do with their guy. And now as we have this conversation, Tennessee having beaten Auburn, that elevated fans' excitement even more. Hey, Josh, Brad Kenny here. Thanks for joining us again. And uh, following up with that uh, response, I wanted to ask you, what is the biggest differences so far that, you know, you've heard and seen publicly and also behind the scenes uh, with his staff that he's put together in his first year compared to years prior with that staff. Well, no doubt a difference between Jeremy Pruitt and Butch Jones, who Pruitt obviously replaced. Jeremy just gets to the point. Uh, and he's, he's got a personality that I think has started to show more. He admittedly had to get comfortable in a media setting because he hadn't done it much. I mean, the assistant coaches for Nick Saban rarely talk. Now the Tennessee assistant coaches rarely talk to the media. The coordinators met with the media back in August before the season once, and that's been it as far as his assistant coaches. But uh, Jeremy Pruitt, he's, I think he's willing to talk football with you. He's willing to be as honest as coaches are going to be. You're not really going to find a coach that's just an open book and is going to tell you everything. But uh, I think if you compare Jeremy Pruitt the last two months or so, two and a half months since the start of fall camp, to Jeremy Pruitt back in the spring, you would notice that he's different. Uh, so uh, Butch Jones was very much about selling the program. There was a marketing side to what we heard from Butch Jones, whether it be in press conference settings or interviews or, or most any time he spoke. That's not Jeremy Pruitt's style, and everybody has a different style, and early on, I think Tennessee fans were very receptive to the way Butch Jones went about his uh, media sessions and uh, public opportunities. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt's almost the opposite, and fans are very receptive of that, partly because they they grew tired of Butch Jones. So uh, that's another thing that I I think has caused Tennessee fans to be supportive of their coaches. But I'll say again, Derek Dooley had a different approach. Tennessee fans at first supported that. Lane Kiffin had a very different approach in 2009, (laughs) and fans supported that until he left. So uh, that's kind of the norm in Knoxville. Uh, Obviously, Tennessee's playing to win on Saturday, but realistically, they're they're a four-touchdown underdog. What would be considered a success for them this week coming out of Saturday? 
And you are right. Tennessee goes in with the full intention of competing with Alabama and trying to beat Alabama, but there is also the realistic part of the conversation, and that is that Tennessee doesn't win. And then I think you start to talk about Tennessee trying to be more competitive within the game. I think Georgia is a comparison. A few weeks ago, Tennessee lost to Georgia by 26 points. That's not a good outcome at all. Uh, But uh, that was a game where in the second half, Tennessee had some positive things go its way, and Tennessee created some of those things with – uh, you know, Tennessee, Tennessee wasn't able to win the turnover battle in that game, and that's a big emphasis from Jeremy Pruitt. It was when he was at Alabama, and it's even more important for Tennessee. But Tennessee put the Tennessee forced Georgia to put the, the ball on the ground four times. Georgia just recovered it every time. They recovered all four fumbles, which is actually pretty incredible. But I think Jeremy Pruitt felt good coming out of that game about the aggressive nature his defense played with, and that's why he talked about their effort, especially in the second half when in the fourth quarter, Tennessee cut that game to a 24 to 12 score before Georgia then pulled away again. And they built off that with an off week to have two weeks to get ready for Auburn. And you saw the result in that game and another, another game with aggressive approach from Tennessee on defense helped them win the game. So I think Jeremy, Jeremy Pruitt wants to see that kind of effort, that kind of approach, uh, that kind of competitive nature from his team. Tennessee also needs to stay healthy and, uh, a goal, I don't know that it's something you take out of the game itself, but if Tennessee Monday is getting ready for South Carolina next week and it's a team that's relatively healthy as much as you can be seven or eight weeks into a college football season, I think they'll feel pretty good about that. But I think it's I think it's the little things, uh, things that they'll pick up on film. I, I think that's something that Jeremy Pruitt's looking for as well, to show that the work that they've done in practice has truly helped this team get better. So, Josh, I wanted to take a moment and uh, kind of reflect on Jarrett Garantano's performance last year against Alabama and where he was overall within uh, as a developing player. Uh, And then fast forward with the coaching change, offensive change, and look at his performance he had last week in a statement win, a program building win on the road against Auburn. So what does that mean, you know, moving forward for not only himself and Tennessee, but what they want to try to do together and they're playing their biggest rival this weekend with Alabama, who they've lost 11 straight years to. Yeah, no doubt. Um, that was a big game for Jared Garantano, and he needs to continue to be better. He is continually pushed by Tennessee's coaches. Uh, the one thing that was funny to me was the SEC named Garantano the Offensive Player of the Week this week. Uh, he was on Pro Football Focus's National Team of the Week at the quarterback position, and he received the Maxwell Award Player of the Week around the nation. But Tennessee gave its Offensive Player of the Week honor to Juwan Jennings at wide receiver. And Jennings was terrific, but there there was one one outlet, or whatever you would call it, that named Garantano the best player in the country over the weekend. He didn't even get offensive honors from his own team. And I think that's his coaching staff, especially Jeremy Pruitt, continuing to push him. And I think that's something that's helped him become a better player. Keller Chris came in as a grad transfer in the summer from Stanford, and there was a, quote, competition. Garantano was the guy the whole way. And I think Tennessee's coaches have told him, or at least made it clear to him, they may have not outright stated, but that if Tennessee's going to have success and, and take major steps here in the next couple of years, if it's going to be a fairly quick turnaround, then Garantano's going to have to play really well. There's not another quarterback in the roster to point to right now and say, this guy could help Tennessee win at a high level. Uh, now, there are things I, I mentioned he needs to be better. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt kind of joked, but maybe it wasn't a joke this week, that 
if Garantano wants to get hit less, he needs to do a better job of changing protections pre-snap. Now these guys still need to do a better job blocking for him, and that's something Tennessee needs to improve on overall. But Garantano is clearly a better quarterback than he was a year ago. I think he's more comfortable in the pocket. I think he's actually running an offense that suits him better. Uh, he was, you know, he was a dual threat quarterback coming out of high school, but he's not really a runner. He's he's just he has mobility. He's he has athleticism. But I think he's better in a, a more pro-style type offense, and that's what Tennessee is running now as opposed to last year under Butch Jones. So he still has some improving to do, but he's been accurate. He's tough. He's taken a lot of hits this year. That, that, and I mentioned health. You need to protect him this week because as many hits as he's taken, he's one hit away, especially when you play Alabama, from not getting back up. So they need to make sure Jared Garantano is as healthy as possible coming out of the Alabama game because their chance for success on offense starts with him. Speaking of, depth has, has been considered an issue for Tennessee. Uh, linebacker Daniel Batuli is out for the first half of this game after the targeting call last week. Jonathan Kongbo went down at Auburn with an injury. What can you tell us about their replacements on Saturday, and what, what kind of drop-off do you expect, if, if any? Yeah, there's probably a drop-off, uh, but what helps, uh, starting with Batuli, he's important, and he can come back in the second half, which helps. He produced Tennessee's only points last year against Alabama when he had that pick six. So uh, he's one of Tennessee's playmakers and that he's really active. Uh, he's a guy that you expect to be around the ball um, and, and can make tackles. His replacement would be Quarte Sapp, who is a fourth-year junior and has really good speed. That's something that helps. So you'll see Sapp and Darren Kirkland Jr., who has probably lost a step because of injuries he's dealt with, but is a smart player. He knows what he's doing out there on the field. And then maybe Will Ignott, who's a – uh, well thought of second year linebacker. Uh, th- those are guys that they're going to have to know where they're supposed to be and they're going to have to be around the football quickly. And then uh, with Congo, you know, it, him being out is a loss and his two best games of his career are the last two games Tennessee has played. He had an, an interception against Auburn before he tore his ACL. That's a big loss. His replacement is DeAndre Johnson and he would be an example of Tennessee's depth improving, not greatly. But Johnson's a guy that I'm not sure Tennessee felt comfortable with beginning of the season. Now I think they're more comfortable with him. He, uh, he was able to get to Jared Stenham on a big fourth down stop this past Saturday in the fourth quarter. That was after Kongbo had gone down. Uh, so Tennessee staff has worked with him and some other players who haven't played as much to be ready, and they better be ready because they're about to face the best offense they will have seen and, and will see this season. Uh, so, Josh, I got to get your uh, your take here on the uh, video that went viral over the weekend in the big win uh, with uh, Philip Fulmer leading the uh, the team in the locker room of, you know, chanting, we don't give a damn about the state of Alabama. Because um, mm-hmm. Wesley and I had a conversation uh, after Pruitt took the job of, you know, just how much of an influence will Fulmer have on Pruitt? Will they butt heads? You know, there was a rumor about Pruitt and Mark Rick button heads and hands being thrown. And I had an over-under of if he would punch Philip Fulmer. Um, but anyways, that video was kind of concerning because it was like Pruitt was in timeout in the corner while Fulmer was leading, you know, the team chanting, we don't give a damn about Alabama. And here's Jeremy from Alabama. What is What do we make of that? I mean, is there anything there or, you know, what what's that? What's the reaction been and, and what's your take on that? Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's partly just bringing tradition back, I guess. I say back because Tennessee didn't beat anybody last year, at least in the SEC. Um, and that's, you know, that's something that Tennessee has done in the locker room for many years with different opponents. Uh, if you beat Florida, you don't give a damn about the state of Florida or Georgia. 
but uh, you know, it's especially important for the state of Alabama because of the rivalry with Tennessee. And you know, the the idea of Jeremy Pruitt chanting, "We don't give a damn about the state of Alabama," would would seem very odd, right? Because I imagine he gives many dams about the state of Alabama uh, with his history there uh, as a player, a coach, and growing up. Uh, but uh, long-term, let's see. I mean, that, that is a fair question. I wonder what, what's the long-term relationship going to be like with Philip Fulmer and Jeremy Pruitt to this point. Uh, things have appeared to go really well, and it, it will go well if Tennessee wins. If, it, if Tennessee doesn't, and you have people, not just them, but assistant coaches, people around the program that are suggesting this or thinking this is a problem, well then, you know, whether, whether it's – a strong-minded athletic director and the head coach or other parties, heads heads will butt. So um, that's something to pay attention to, for sure, because Philip Fulmer is the guy who won at the highest level at Tennessee, and his job is to now, uh, well, he has hired the coach, but to, to get the football program back in the right direction. He's chosen Jeremy Pruitt to do that. So that'll, that'll be something to watch. I think it is with most schools, but uh, Jeremy Pruitt, it's going to be his program for sure. And if Tennessee wins or loses – will large long term will largely be because of what kind of job Jeremy Pruitt and his coaching staff does. I wanted to follow up with that and ask you, um, since you host that radio show there in Knoxville, you know, what has from the hire back at the end of the year, beginning of this year, the expectations that was initially uh, created versus coming off a big win last week against Auburn on the road. You know, how has that uh, been established? What are the true expectations for Pruitt that's realistic? Because, you know, before you used to get four years, but now everyone wants to yeah. instant gratification. You know, you better produce in two years. And then also, you know, building on that, not to put you on the spot, but if Pruitt does get UT back to where they should be, and we're talking four years from now, Nick Saban retires, is it, because I'm on that opinion of, it's not Dabo, it's Pruitt, if he has success at UT. Could you see Pruitt if he has success at Tennessee replacing Nick Saban? So I'll go in order uh, with expectations. Um, I, don't, I don't know exactly. Here's what I'm guessing. Uh, the the preseason expectations for this season were, hey, if you go six and six, uh, there were fans talking seven and five at the beginning of the year, and fan optimism is going to be there. It's natural, no, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that, but that was pretty reasonable. My my preseason record prediction was six and six, and I think Tennessee has a, a very real shot of getting there. They need to split their final four SEC games after the Alabama game to get there, and that's very possible. But you know, after the Florida loss for Tennessee, the conversation quickly became. Well, you know, four and eight might happen again. I mean, it quickly became that, and now all of a sudden it's jumped back to, well, six and six, seven and five could happen. So it, it can quickly go up. It can quickly go down. My guess is that Tennessee's going to have a nice recruiting class in 2019. They'll do, they'll do fine. They might have a really big class in 2019, depending on how they close. So you have a good recruiting class. Next year, Tennessee has a chance to, to jump up record-wise because uh, the schedule lightens up. You have what, it, what is expected to be an easier schedule at least. So let's say Tennessee goes 7-5, next year. I think year three, you have big-time expectations. Year three, the talk is, hey, can you go win the East this year? And if you don't, you're better in year four. So um, that, that's kind of how I, I guess it is right now because uh, once fans buy in and fans have bought in, and once you wait a little bit longer, you want to wait. You don't want to wait much longer. Uh, my guess is that long-term uh, that, uh, that fans will, in the next three to four years, be saying you better – beat out Georgia and Florida, uh, which will not be easy. As far as the Alabama job, let's say that he does all of that and more. Let's say that he 
that Jeremy Pruitt is at a place where he would be desired by a, a school like Alabama, which is at the very top, and I'm guessing Nick Saban would, would leave on the top or close to it. It's, it's tough to say. Um, really what it would come down to, would, would he want to continue doing what he's created or would he want to go take over was a great position. It's his history, but then he has to be compared to Nick Saban. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how anybody could rule out the idea of him going back to Alabama if that opportunity ever gets to that point. One thing for Tennessee, though, if, if Tennessee fans have that fear, you know, they've had that fear with other coaches in the past, and then those coaches bombed out. If you have a guy that is wanted by a place like Alabama, you're doing much better than you've done since Philip Former was fired in 2008. So yeah. Tennessee fans, I don't think, should worry about that. Uh, and I, there's a long way to go for Jeremy Pruitt to get Tennessee in that kind of position where he's called back home. All right, Josh, last one, and we will let you go. It's a hypothetical. Vol Twitter has a, a reputation. So let's say it's 6 p.m. Saturday night. Alabama's in the locker room after a win, and, and a picture of Butch Jones hits social media <laughs> with, yeah. with a smug grin and a cigar in his mouth. What, what kind of warm reaction does that get from, from Vol Twitter? Oh, I'm sure uh, Vol Twitter, as, as you've noticed, would be nothing but congratulatory <laughs> and well-wishing. <laughs> Yeah. For Butch Jones. Uh, no, it would be ugly. The, the response would be uh, non-congratulatory and would there would probably be several tweets that would be reported, uh, would be would have to be reported to Twitter's official account. So, um, yeah, that I mean, that's another element to the game. It's not a huge one because Butch isn't, you know, really in a huge role. But uh, the fact that it was brought up, Josh Jacobs talking about his chance to finally smoke a cigar or have a cigar to, to celebrate in this rivalry, and they'd love to, to have that for him. That adds a little spice to it, and uh, yeah, Vault Twitter will be active if uh, if there's any kind of photo or video or mention of Butch Jones in that cigar. I have a feeling that picture of him cleaning that windshield is going to be shared a lot more uh, of that Mercedes. <laughs> hey, what's that team motto this year, too? They had the Champions of Life and then the trash cans. So what's this year's team motto? <laughs> I don't know. Do they have a motto? That's a good motto. Good question. I, I don't know. I mean, the, you know, Butch Jones would number the teams, you know, team 119, oh 120, 121. <laughs> and uh, Will West and I on Sports 180 this week, we were trying to think what, what number is it? And Will mentioned that's, that's maybe the, his favorite part about the coaching change. Not that he wanted a coaching change. Uh, I don't think he cared, but uh, he's glad that we don't have to keep up with what number it is. And I agree with that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think Jeremy Pruitt is the, the team motto kind of guy. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah, I, th I think his motto is, is do what I say. Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's definitely not the player who's done a good job of that. <laughs> all right. Follow him at Josh underscore Ward on Twitter. Josh, we appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much, buddy. Hey, thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, man. All right, if you're ever driving through Knoxville or even happen to live in the area, give Josh a listen, 99.1, the sports animal. Uh, this was the second year in a row he's taking the time to join us, so we're definitely appreciative, uh, appreciative of that. Brad, sticking with Tennessee for the moment, does Jeremy Pruitt turn Tennessee into a consistent annual top 25 program? Well, I think at this point it's kind of like roulette. You're betting on the color to change. It's been three straight black, and now you're hoping Pruitt's going to be the red. You know, because with Kiffin, Dooley, and Butch Jones, they all thought, you know, this could be that guy, uh, whereas it wasn't. You know, and most of our listeners know my opinion of Pruitt. Uh, I do think he is able to get UT not to maybe where they want to be, but get them to where they haven't been since Fulmer, sort of, uh, you know, what Josh alluded to with expectations. Uh, so to answer your question, quite simply, yes, I do think uh, he gets them better results than what they've had in the last decade. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I think there's two sides to where they sit right now. 
there's been a bit of an overreaction from the Tennessee base on the Auburn win, which is expected. They should overreact. It's been a long time since they've done something like go on the road at Auburn and leave winning a game that they probably shouldn't have won. There are people who thought Pruitt inherited nothing whatsoever on his roster. Uh, If you look at it, there's some respectable talent in that first group. So I think we're already starting to see Pruitt have some effect on those guys. And I I don't think they're going to be a team three or four years from now that you can just chalk up as a three, four touchdown win. I hope I'm wrong. I know some of our fan base is torn on how to feel with Pruitt there. Uh, I am very not torn. No, nor am I, because he didn't take a picture of the recruiting board on his way out. But, I mean, you know, sort of like with, with Kirby, I mean, the expectations, everyone wait, wait, focuses wait, wait, on... New- you're, you're not torn, like you're saying, you're fine with him having success there. I, I'm fine with him having success because his success of what I expect versus Kirby's is a lot different. Yeah, and see, I want, I, I want Tennessee to lose everything. that they Like, they could be playing skee-ball, and I want them to lose. Well, and I'm also a little bit biased because I do think that he is the guy that replaces Saban. So, I mean, it's a little bit different. But, you know, the one thing you can't differentiate between Kirby and Pruitt is the fact that expectations in most head coaching hires is wins. But with these two guys, you don't know the wins, but you do know they are going to be able to recruit, and that's not going to be a problem. When we spoke about Tennessee going into the spring in their recruiting class, it was kind of embarrassing. However, you're telling me – He's already got some development that's going on with the talent he's had on the roster, and I'm willing to bet you can also give me an idea of that Tennessee's probably doing pretty good on the recruiting trail, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. Pruitt can recruit. Um, Look, I was looking at rosters at the beginning of the season, and Tennessee's is one that stood out to me from the standpoint of, like, recognizable names. I know recruiting rankings aren't a perfect formula from player to player, but they're generally pretty telling when it comes to an overall class ranking. There's no depth there whatsoever, but there's talent in those first 22 guys. Uh, on offense, Jawan Jennings and Marquez Callaway, those are two guys that start at a lot of schools. Trey Smith's playing out of place at tackle right now, but he's considered one of the best linemen in the nation, if not the best lineman in the nation. He's a future first-round pick. If you remember, Alabama wanted Drew Richmond, even though he's never lived up to that kind of five-star billing that he had. Alabama wanted Dominic Wood Anderson last year uh, in mm-hmm. that cycle at tight end. Ty Chandler's flashed at running back. Garantano, who you mentioned earlier, has so much natural talent. I'll say this about Garantano. He's a guy that would worry me more than someone like Joe Burrow. Like, if you take Garantano and put him in Baton Rouge, I'm a lot more skeptical about the LSU game right now. Well, yeah, and I think that goes, uh, again, with expectations because look at what LSU's had and look what they have now at a 54% passer rating and completion percentage. I mean, a Burrow's like a savior compared to before. You put Garantano there and LSU fans are out here buying billboards across <laughs> the country, you know, so it's a little bit different. Yeah, and, and defensively, like you look to the other side of the ball, there's a few guys Alabama wanted at one point there. Kyle Phillips, Shaw Tuttle, both former five stars, Nigel Warrior, a really talented safety. Daniel Batuli being out for the first half, <laughs> that that is massive for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you could kind of hear hear it with kind of the way Josh was breaking it down. Him and Kongbo not being there is going to hurt. Um, oh, it's like a double bird from karma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That might have been the one guy they could not have afforded to lose. Uh, Alante Taylor's a star freshman for them. My point is that the cupboard was not totally bare for Jeremy Pruitt. Butch Jones may not have brought in the right collection of guys. Maybe there wasn't much of a direction to his classes. But on paper, and I, I emphasize on paper, there's more talent there than a fair amount of schools in the conference. 
Well, it's a good start for Pruitt and what he needs to do to lay the foundation. And he got that first brick, uh, no pun intended, uh, this weekend, you know, on the road at Auburn. So, so yeah, Wes, you make good points as far as the talent uh, that's on the roster. And we'll see how Tennessee bounces back uh, and doesn't fall victim to complacency. But, I mean, they're going against the greatest team possibly since Nebraska in in the mid-90s. So what does Tennessee do to try to keep themselves in this game? Sort of like we asked Josh, I want to get your opinion because – I've got some stats from uh, Sports Source Analytics. You know, Alabama right now, their dominance over college football is insane because their percentage of plays that they run on offense, that they have a lead in the game, it's going to blow your mind. 94.5% of plays <laughs> that Alabama runs, they have a lead in the game already. Yeah, that's what, I mean, ha- that's what happens when you score on the first play. Exactly. I mean, hell, last weekend we scored in, what, 23 seconds, and that yeah. was the third longest scoring drive? Like, that's a great – problem to have at least in football not anywhere else um and then you know right now alabama's point differential as far as possessions they've scored on and and points that they've allowed possessions on is 46 percent higher than any other team in football so their offense is scoring almost you know two to one compared to other offenses in their what their defense gives up so it's insane i don't know you know the line's 29 right now so does alabama cover this weekend Wes? i mean that's going to be really the biggest thing my, my answer is always yes okay well there okay. we go yeah now the one thing and we'll sign off on tennessee with this the one thing that will be interesting to me and this is sticking with the alabama offense too is that jeremy pruitt knows the current personnel in tuscaloosa about as well as anyone right Mm-hmm. So on one side of the field, there's a team full of players that he helped coach, he helped recruit, and now he's on the other side of the field essentially saying, hey, this is how you should play this Alabama team. That's true. And we can sign off by me asking you this. Why do you hate Tennessee? <laughs> well, because I, li- <laughs> I live here mostly. <laughs> um, this show would go on for a lot yeah. longer than what, what we would we intended to go on <laughs> if I yeah. – had to break all no. that down. Oh, good. I wanted to throw you for a loop. So, all right. Well, let's, uh, Wes, I want to kind of take a look uh, now that half the college football season is over and, and how nationally the game has been this year. Um, you know, last week, obviously, we had a lot of upsets of ranked teams, a couple undefeateds going down. But there is, I guess you could say, some surprise teams, so to speak, because as bad as we viewed Ole Miss after beating the hell out of them, what if I told you they're five and one right now and they're hosting Auburn as less than a field goal underdog and Auburn's defense looks or Auburn's offense looks like it's called Ebola and you know right now it's just it's terrible. So Ole Miss is five and one. How about Duke five and one? David Cutcliffe, the most underrated coach outside of TCU and MSU and, and Sparty. I mean, what about Clemson not getting caught up really yet and they're under performing team? So how about Dan Mullen and the job he's done? Because I do remember a tweet that you had sent out earlier this year with, you know, you're going to be hard-pressed to find Florida with six or more wins. And, you know, I kind of responded and said, hey, look, you know, I think they'll win more than that. I mean, it's just crazy, man. This And Auburn, again, starting top ten and falling flat on their face. I mean, it's – what is your takeaway so far in the first half of college football? No, you you like I just said, I was going down rosters before the start of the season, and Tennessee's was one that stood out to me, like with recognizable names. On the other end of that spectrum was Florida, who did not stand out to me as far as recognizable names. I was going down that roster, and I and I was thinking, oh no, like there there are five guys that I even know who they are on this roster. Like Dan Mullen is going to have to come in and perform a miracle for them to get to six, seven wins. And here we are 
seven weeks or so into the season. And Dan Mullen has them in position where they could potentially win the East now. No, 100%. Look, I said two weeks ago on our last episode that you guys better put your ears to the East because uh, you're going to hear a lot more chatter and calling about Justin Fields versus Jake Fromm. Yeah. Lo and behold, the results of that LSU game is going to kick the tires on that. Georgia's on a bye week this week. Next week, they then go to the cocktail party. I, In my opinion, right now, I would take Florida to win that game first off. But then Georgia immediately the following week has to go on the road to Lexington. How about those Kentucky Wildcats right now with only one loss in overtime to Texas A&M, who Texas A&M has only lost to the number one and number three teams in the country, too? Hey, look, I'm just saying, Wes, there is a very realistic scenario right now that not only does Kirby's legacy start with how he handles this and decisions he makes, but Georgia is not in Atlanta in December. We may be talking about the Gators or the Wildcats. Yeah. Sometimes I watch these upper tier teams and this is Georgia based. It it makes me appreciate Nick Saban that much more. Georgia, I think is the second or third most talented team in the country, probably interchangeable with Ohio state between two and three. Mm -hmm. They looked like they didn't belong on the same field as LSU on Saturday. They scored a late, meaningless touchdown and still lost by three touchdowns. Like, when, when was the last time that Alabama looked like that? Uh, look, going back a year ago, we talked about how grateful for Nick Saban we should be because that was when Syracuse played on a Friday night against um, – yeah. um, excuse me, Clemson played against Syracuse on a Friday night. They lost. Mm-hmm. You know, Oklahoma lost to Iowa State on the road in Ames. I mean, we talked about how Saban does not lose the games he's supposed to win. When is the last time – Saban lost a game he wasn't supposed to. Well, I, I'm not. I well, I mean, uh, truly I guess every you, you, game. Yeah, yeah. You could, you could make the it, case that in he a should. comparison sense. Right. I mean, really, you're you're going to be within four plus years. Um, but look, last weekend, I mean, Virginia beats freaking Mart Rick. But that's Mart Rick. You know, yeah, right. uh, th- that was a big thing. But Georgia goes on the road to LSU, and LSU puts together an Auburn tight game where that they can do no wrong. They had the perfect matchup. And I know people are freaking out about that matchup here, you know, in three weeks. Well, let me just go ahead and clear the air there. Uh, Georgia had this coming. If you watched Georgia play this year, and especially at the quarterback position, you can rattle from he did he there was three touchdowns on film that he overthrew. Guaranteed touchdowns. Georgia lost that game as much as LSU won it, in my opinion. However, you're not going to tell LSU fans that. But I will say this. I'm not that worried about LSU this year, mainly because I do think it kind of goes the way of A&M. Something, something's going to have to happen with the Georgia quarterback situation, or they're going to have a fan base split. They're probably going to have a uh, locker room split. Uh, well, I didn't want to have to go there, but you know the chatter has been that I've heard over the last three weeks that you had those three decommitments of yeah. top 150 players in over a week span. Yeah. Now, you can put one of those on the whole issue that came out from the baseball player. But I will tell you from what I've heard over the last three weeks is Kirby's got a lot of problems going on in that locker room right now. And I think you're going to see a couple heads roll here too soon because he's got to get a, a grip on it with this loss that they just had and this unsurety of their quarterback within the team you're going to find out a lot about Kirby Smart and what Georgia can truly do now moving forward this year. And that's why I think next weekend Florida is going to take advantage of that. There's a reason that I love going on message boards after a team loses. Okay, I know this is sort of off base, but you brought up the the baseball player screaming like the, the racist stuff at Justin, Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. I, I like to go on, you know, like Georgia lost to LSU. I like to go on Georgia's message board 
and just basically watch the meltdown unfold. One uh, one of the topics that was being discussed on the the Georgia board was whether a rival team paid the Georgia baseball player to to be racist towards Justin Fields in in order to make this a big story so it would affect Georgia's recruiting. Well, wow. Um, <laughs> I did not see that. Um, yeah. Uh, that's that's damn impressive. Georgia's already, <laughs> you know, fully engulfed within this whole dynasty thing now, apparently, because good God, are they making some hellacious excuses. All right, so Wes, uh, before we wrap this up, I wanted to get your, uh, your take here. I wanted to put you on the spot. Um, now that we're halfway through the season, you know, some things have gone the way we expected. Uh, some things have not. What is your bold prediction in college football over the next six to eight weeks of, of playing that is going to come true in your opinion? Uh, if we're if we're going Alabama related, I would say Alabama does not play a game within four touchdowns. But does Tua take a fourth quarter snap then? Oh, I hope not. Like I literally hope that he wins the Heisman without ever even playing in the fourth quarter. That would be obviously, in my opinion without doing the research here the first time I would think that's ever happened. I think that, that it would very clearly – I mean, you, I don't think you have to do the research on that. Okay. Do you have a national opinion of something bold that you think may happen? Oh, that's tough. Do you, all right, let me put you on the spot here then. Does Gus Malzahn be uh, the head coach of Auburn after the Iron Bowl? He has or to be. Or even before. He has to be. Look, I wish Jimmy Sexton would negotiate everything in my entire life. <laughs> Gu, Gus Malzahn's agent somehow – took a meaningless Iron Bowl win and flipped it into a $49 million contract for Gus with a $32 million buyout. All because this guy like gave Alabama a break before the playoffs last year, and they thought he might go to Arkansas. Well, so, you know, you, you beat your two biggest rivals, both who were number one at the time at home. You definitely deserve to cash in on it. So, look, <laughs> I'm not mad at it. I respect the hustle. Um, <laughs> all right, and then final one, who's in Atlanta playing Alabama, assumedly, in the SEC championship? Dude, I, I – like I told you before we started, I thought Georgia was the biggest shoe-in, probably in the country, to win their division before the season started. Like, when you looked at the talent gap between Georgia and everybody else in the East, it is so significant. And now, it's in question. Like, you could see a scenario where Alabama is playing Kentucky in Atlanta, or they're playing Florida in Atlanta, who I didn't even know was going to be bowl eligible this year. Mm-hmm. I tried to tell you, but I didn't try to tell you that they're going to be did. in Atlanta. You did. I'll I, give you I would, credit. <laughs> you tried. You tried to tell me I didn't believe you. Look, it's I still fell hard to believe. The, I fell victim to the Scientology clown shoes. Okay, I can't help <laughs> it. But um, no, I look at this point. I I think that cocktail party decides everything because, in my opinion, I think Florida has a really good shot. Uh, and I'm not going to rule out Kentucky, but we'll see. And then as far as Gus, Auburn's broke as hell. I mean, they better get that GoFundMe going. And as far as nationally, I mean, I, I really don't have a hot take there. I mean, and, and unless, you know, you think Alabama and Tua, you know, are going to be the what they are continue to be. But anyways, yeah, that's it. All right. Well, this has been the Roll Bama Roll podcast. Roll Tide.